a quick disclaimer before you listen to this week's episode. Um, I went a bit fanboy on Laura, actually. Some of my interviewing questions are a bit poor. Uh, I uh, had to get up at midnight to interview her because she was in, in London. And um, she's quite a high-profile high individual, done some amazing things. And uh, maybe I was a bit intimidated. So, look, if you can get over my poor interviewing and pick the gold out of what Laura has to say, I'm sure you'll benefit from it. And I appreciate you you willing to watch me learn this process and have fun as I'm uh, hopefully improving my ability to ask good questions and not stack questions on top of questions and uh, really extract the gold from people who've overcome insecurity in their life. Anyway, on to today's show. Hey, it's Jamin Fraser, and you're listening to The Insecurity Project. This podcast is a mixture of interviews with experts, authors, and individuals who've gone on to do great things in their life by overcoming their own insecurity. You'll also hear one-on-one coaching sessions with people who are willing to be vulnerable and share their own journey with the world. Also, you'll hear 10-Minute Tuesday, which is a chance for me to deliver high-quality personal development content to help you in your own journey. I hope you find the podcast useful. Now on to today's show. Well, welcome to the Insecurity Project. I'm here with Laura Bartlett. Uh, welcome to the show, Laura. Thank you. Hi. Now, uh, it's so good to have you here. You've um, done some amazing things for your life. You are the editor of House of Coco magazine, which is you know, sold all around the world. You've done amazing things, and uh, I understand from the age of 23 was when you launched, launched your first company. So, yeah, I mean, actually, um, I, I was 19. There's always a part of the story that 19? I seem to miss out. Oh, wow. Yeah, um, I actually launched a handbag company um, selling handbags when I was 19, uh, but that's not as sexy and exciting as a magazine, so I always just skip <laughs> that bit out. <laughs> Well, so you, you started young. How old are you now, if you don't mind me asking? Um, I'm 31. Uh, okay, great. Um, so we're, we're on the Insecurity Project, and the, the point of this uh, podcast is really helping people face their own fears about their inadequacy, the fear of not being enough. I think ultimately underneath all the challenges we face in life is some kind of fear that in some way we're not enough, we don't measure up, and we're worried about what others think. So... I mean, obviously, to be where you are today, doing the cool things that you're doing, um, you've had to face this fear on, num- on numerous levels and probably a number of times. So really fascinated to hear your journey and, and some of the things you've learned along the way. Sure. But let me start where I've been starting with, with all our guests, and that is when you were young, because um, you know parents are the key people in our world at, at the formative years of our life and their impact has such a big difference, makes it such a big difference in what we believe about ourselves. So I'm fascinated about what, what it was that your parents taught you or modelled to you about self-esteem, about confidence, about believing in yourself. Were they you know, positive role models? Or, uh, you know, tell, tell us a bit about what it was like to grow up in your family. Yeah, um, my parents were definitely positive role models. I always kind of reference one particular point, what was a bit of a turning point in our lives. So I remember um, my brother's just over a year older than me. And um, when I was about eight and he was nine, I remember my mum getting us out of bed and sitting us on her knee and telling us that our cousin, who was um, 14, had died. 
and um, Gavin, he wasn't, it's basically said, you know, Gavin's died and he's not going to be coming back. And obviously you're too young to kind of understand what's happened. Um, but he he was out with his friends and he was allowed to stay out for an extra hour than planned. And in that hour he fell through a roof and he died. And I just always remember, oh particularly from that point, that, you know, it didn't matter what we did in life in terms of education or, you know, money, how much money we made or what we did as a career. As long as we were alive and we were happy and we were healthy, that's all that mattered. So I've always grown up with this, like, you know, no pressure of having to go to university or, you know, no pressure of having yeah, to right. be like, you know, their friend's daughter or whatever. You know, there was no competition like that. It was always like, whatever makes you happy, then you do that. Wow, and that was something that was given to you from a young age from your parents? Yeah, yeah, it was never about, you know, money and, and anything like that. It was just purely, if it makes you happy, then that is what you do. And also the other thing that I always remember was, you know, there is only one of us, there is, there's only one version of us, you know, there's no one else like you. Yeah, right. Um, so just own it and just be yourself and, you know, don't compare yourself to other people. Um, as well, I never even knew about, you know, colour and race and things like that. Now, I'm mixed race. My dad's black. My mum's white. Um, but, like, growing up as a kid, it was never even a question. Um, we were just people and it was just about being happy. Yeah, well, did your parents, um, did they have normal jobs? Were they doing entrepreneurial things themselves? Or what were they kind of um, So my... Like? Dad has been a decorator for as long as I can remember. He's a, he's a self-employed decorator. Um, my mum works in home care, so definitely no one doing anything like what I'm doing. Um, but I do always remember when my dad decided to go self-employed and work for himself, and he's got, got the um, big painting decorator van with his name all over the side, and I just had this level of pride, like, oh, my God, look at my dad with his own company. Um, you know, doing great. And he definitely couldn't have done it without my mum. She's the she's the backbone. <laughs> Dad's the decorator, yeah, mum's the sure. brains. Yeah, right. Okay. So, I mean, you launched out on your own at 19. Uh, you just finished school and you thought, righto, blow working for someone else. I'm going to start my own thing. Talk us, talk us through the process of actually having the confidence to back yourself enough to go out and do that. Well, as, when I was, so I was 19, I um, decided not to go to university because I couldn't wait to get out of education, to be honest. And then I heard an advertisement on the radio for a media sales executive working at the local radio station. And I had no idea what it meant. I just thought, I love the sound of that, executive, I want the job. And I applied with no CV. And I said, look, I haven't got a CV, but I'm a sponge. I want to learn. And I promise you, you know, I'll do a good job. And somehow managed to wangle my way into getting an interview. Um, and, I, and I got the job. So um, at 19, I was earning like 30 grand a year. Uh, with a company car, and I, don't, I just, like, literally winged my way into it. And to be fair, I've probably just winged my whole way through life. And I had this really cool job, <laughs> and um, <laughs> I actually realised when I speak to other people in business that they're winging it too, so it's absolutely fine. Um, but, yeah, so I had this yeah. really cool job working in radio and just set up a little thing on the side, selling handbags. Um, I always I remember being about 15 and thinking, I know... Uh, I remember having two very vivid, vivid thoughts. One of them was, I know everything there is to know, I couldn't possibly know anymore. <laughs> Typical 15-year-old <laughs> mentality. 
And the other thought was, I know I'm going to work for myself one day. Um, And so when I was 19, I started selling handbags. And basically what I did is I had £100 and I bought some wholesale stock and I sold it in a week and I made £400 and then I reinvested the 400 and then I carried on from there. Um, And this was all just on the side while I was still working full time in radio. And then um, I had a shop as well, um, just a concession for about 11 weeks over Christmas in a different city in Birmingham. And, um, yeah, I did that for a while, then just realized retail wasn't really for me. And then started the um, the magazine, my first ever magazine. Wow. And I understand that you even pitched that magazine on Dragon's Den. Is that right? I did, yeah. Um, I was completely annihilated and told to quit and that <laughs> it was never going to work. <laughs> But it's not what you want to happen wow, in front of millions did, of viewers. But. No, I, I bet. But um, I'm fascinated by how you bounce back from that because obviously for some people that would be the end. You know, if the important people and the powerful, powerful people tell you you can't do something, you know, perhaps that means you need to, you know, think about something else. So what, what did you do instead? How did that affect your future? Um, yeah, that's the sad thing about these shows is if they say that to the wrong person, it can really impact the rest yeah. of their life in a negative way because I'm quite, you know, I've got a strong mind. I've got my parents who are always like, you know, just give it another go. If you don't have a support network and you don't have that mindset, then you probably would just quit. Um, So, yeah, yeah, what I did is the next day after filming the show, you know you've got six months before it airs. I kind of just cried the whole of the next day, and then my parents basically (laughs) were like, you know, screw them, prove them wrong. Um, So they did. (laughs) Well, as simple as that, you just thought, I'm just going to go do it anyway. Yeah, because, you know, what's the worst that could happen? Time's going to pass anyway, so might as well just give it another go. Well, so, um, you know, you sound like you've been confident from a young age. At 15, you you knew everything, so that's a quite (laughs) level of confidence. (laughs) Um, Have there been times in your life where you've doubted yourself or where you've felt insecurity has limited you in any way? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it happens all the time, you know. I think it's just the yeah. journey of working for yourself. One day you think, I'm the most amazing person in the world. This is <laughs> this is the best idea ever. And then the next day you just want to shut your curtains and don't speak to anyone and just, you know, don't dare share your ideas because you think they're rubbish. So it's just, I think it's just like life's just a, a roller coaster. You just have to ride it. It's up and down, up and down. You know, you're never going to be on a high all the time with, like, high self-esteem. Sometimes you're going to have low days. Sometimes you're going to be too busy comparing yourself to other people. Um yeah, I definitely think you just have to ride the wave. Yeah, for sure. So are there things specifically that have worked for you in terms of riding that wave? Like I, um, I'm just I'm fascinated by uh, how successful people do it, and mm-hmm. uh, I think it's you know sometimes people are not even aware exactly what they do differently, but they just think, oh well, I just I just do my thing and, and it works out okay. But yeah. are there certain beliefs that have worked for you or certain um, decisions that you've made that have really given you the ability to keep thriving even under pressure and even when other people are telling you you can't? I just have this innate belief. I have this like real deep rooted belief that no matter what, I'm always going to be okay. Like I'm always going to be fine. Yeah, right. So I'm never scared of like, you know, if someone doesn't pay their invoice one day and I owe loads of money out, it's like, 
it's all going to work out in the end it's fine and it's just like it's all about the mindset so I do a lot of reading um I try and read a new book every single week um yeah yeah, it's all about the mindset it's it's typical you can read any book by an entrepreneur and they'll say you know wake up at 6 a.m and do meditation and do mindset and all these things but actually you know it, it really works it really helps um, positive affirmations, yeah, sure. you know, just kind of telling yourself, I am successful, I am this, I am that, putting the thoughts in your brain and then, you know, thoughts become things. It's so, so also cliche and it just sounds like you're reading from a quote book, but these things work. Yeah, absolutely, they do work. Have you come across Stephen Covey's idea that everything is created twice? I haven't, no, let me write that one down. I've always got an ever-growing reading list. Well, it's it's from his book Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, which which I think um, I think he said it first and said it best in a lot of ways. A lot of the personal development stuff that is popular today has come from some some of the great groundwork that he laid. But um, yeah, it's such a fantastic idea that everything is created twice. There's a first creation in the unseen world, and then the second creation is just a physical manifestation of what has already been created by design or by default. So. Yeah, it sounds kind of, kind of abstract, but it's just, you know, if you build a house, the bricks and mortar aren't created in a vacuum. They're just a second creation of what you've already designed in your mind, what you've conceptualized, what you've visualized, the idea what you've got that. down so on, true. on a blueprint. Yeah, so, so this belief that, you know, you're always going to be okay and it's always going to be okay had to have come from somewhere. Like at some point there was a first creation for that belief. You know, because lots of people I talk to have got the complete opposite. You know, they've got this thing, oh, no, what if it doesn't work out? What if I'm not going to be okay? But what if it does and what if you are? (laughs) I I know, I know. So I'm just, I'm fascinated by where that belief started. You know, where or who or how did that get written inside your head or your heart so that it has become part of you? Are you, any ideas where that belief came from maybe it sort of stems right back to when i was talking about my parents and and, you know the death of my cousin you know we always say when when the shit hits the fan you know i got made bankrupt and my company went into liquidation all these things that you know people would get really depressed and down about but then i'll just say but nobody died (laughs) yeah sure so yeah Yeah, i think everything is just how you how you how you thought how you fix your mindset to look at things whether you want to look at it negatively or positively it's completely down yeah, to you yeah for sure I, I mean it's amazing and very inspiring because I mean you have um, a team of 30 or so working for you in the magazine at the moment is that right yeah so we have um, contributors writers all over the world so um, they're constantly on the go creating content um, one of them is heading to the races with Bentley next week um, another one of them just came back from Canada this week we were in Vegas the week before that uh, yeah literally everyone's kind of just like living their best life which is which obviously makes me buzz because I've created this thing that gives people life or lifetime opportunities that I know that they probably wouldn't get anywhere else yeah, no doubt. Um, I'm interested because, you know, in the fashion industry, it seems like uh, from an outsider looking in, it's very image conscious. And I imagine there'd be a lot of insecurity just beneath the surface. Um, do, you, do you see that a lot in the industry? Um, to be honest, we used to be very, very fashion um, focused and we sort of rebranded and went more down the travel route purely for the reason ah, right. that, you know, it's such a superficial world and, yeah, no, sure. you know, everyone's pretending to be happy and it's all fake. And when you, when you scratch below the surface, you know, it's all, it's all for Instagram and no one's actually like, you know, living <laughs> yeah. a good life. 
So I just thought, you know, I can't be bothered with that kind of negativity. And we moved down the travel route where everyone's traveling and having fun and seeing the world and meeting new people and be more open. And, yeah, there's definitely less insecurity and less um, negativity in the travel world as opposed to the fashion world. That's really interesting. Do you think that's because you have to work out how to rely on yourself to travel? Like you have to be more resourceful and you've got to get over yourself and have these empowering beliefs to to be good at travel. Is that, do you think that's part of it? Yeah, probably. And then also because you go to so many different destinations, you meet so many different cultures, people who have got, you know, more money than you, less money than you, they're more culture, they're more this, they're more that, you know, and you you just, your mind opens up so much more. You become less um, prejudiced and just more inquisitive and you just want to learn about people and and that's that's always a good thing yeah absolutely um okay do you think it's possible for people to live without insecurity uh no no i don't think it is i think at at different points in our life we're all going to be insecure about something um i think Mm. it's just part of human nature it's just who we are it's part of our dna yeah absolutely uh Okay, so for you personally, well, no, I, I mean, the last interview, the second last interview I did, um, uh, the the guy Greg Bellingham, I was interviewed, spoke to me about some of Carl Jung's philosophy on the three selves. I don't know if you've come across that, but he was no. kind of saying it's actually to live without insecurities is really quite dangerous. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I've got a. I've got a friend who uh, races super bikes in Australia and he's in Goulburn at the moment. He's testing and I was out there watching him test. And it would be like, you know, if he got injured and he said, oh, Jamin, you know, there's a ride on my bike this weekend. Do you want to take it? Do you want to, do you want to step up and ride super bikes uh, at a national level? And I went, oh, yeah, that'd be great. Um, that would actually be a horrific thing to say. <laughs> if I wasn't insecure about, am I good enough? Yeah, uh, exactly. You know, then I'd be dangerous because, of course, I'm not good enough. Of, of course, I've developed no skills and, you know, none, nothing I've done would, be, would prepare me for that opportunity. So I should feel insecure about that. And that insecurity is a good thing because it'll say, hey, that's, you know, thanks for asking, but that's a ridiculous idea. No way. Yeah, it is. Uh, so, so, yeah, the, the idea of Carl Jung's is that, um, yeah, it's important to have a dialogue with, with that voice and to check in and to be informed by those fears and um, learn about yourself. And, you know, if I go, well, actually, I do have a desire to be a superbike rider, okay, well, then, sure, you're not enough now, but what would you need to do to pursue that as a career so that you could one day compete at that level if that's what you want to do? So, yes, I think you're right. I think it's it's probably unrealistic and unnecessary to live without insecurity. Yeah, I almost feel like without insecurity, you just get more arrogant. Well, you would, yeah, you would, and it would be something false. It would be not based on who you really are. It would be this projection of some false self um, driven out of ego, which, yeah, is not going to produce anything good in the world. Exactly. Um, yeah, but I think the point of, of this whole project is helping people with practices, with rituals, with beliefs, with story that uh, have been useful for others about what works for them in terms of overcoming the voice of self self-doubt when it does try and stop and when it does say you, you really need to just settle down and not put yourself out there in case you get hurt or in case you fail so you know it's always wonderful hearing of people who don't have those limiting factors and are pushing on 
Um, so, you know, the, the practices, the rituals that work for you, as you mentioned, you do a lot of affirmations, you're always reading, always learning. You're probably mixing it with people who are doing amazing things every day. So yeah. that would constantly inspire you to keep growing yourself. Is there anything else that you haven't mentioned that's particularly useful? Yeah, in, I do think you everything you said, you know, sharp. reading, being around people who are in the same sort of arena, so you know you're not losing your mind, and um, having a strong network of people to support you. But one of the things I've been enjoying doing this year is having me dates. So every single week, yeah, right. it's kind of non-negotiable. I'll have a half a day or an afternoon, a full day, whatever I decide. Uh, sometimes when you run your own company, you forget you're the boss and you can do what you want. <laughs> so it's like, if I want to have a whole day, I'll have a whole day. Um, and I basically go and do something by myself. So it's just me. It's, it can't be me and a friend. It can't be me and someone else. It's got to be just me. So um, the first time I chose to go to the cinema by myself, and I had the whole cinema mm-hmm. to myself on a Monday afternoon, and I watched the film, and that was really nice. Um, the following week, I decided to go and treat myself to a new designer handbag and went to Harvey Nichols and had a nice breakfast. Um, and it's just like, you know, a few hours where you don't do anything work-related, you don't speak to anyone, and you just enjoy your own company. And because I have that to look forward to every week, I feel like it makes me work harder in the interim. Because I think, oh, well, I'm, you know, I'm going to have this half day to myself on Friday or whenever. Um, and I seem to get more done. So I think, you know, having time to yourself and scheduling it in your diary like it's non-negotiable is really good. Yeah, that's that's great. Um, the, the last lady I interviewed, Anna Dakey, she said that something that's been really useful for her is something Brene Brown said. You know, for, for women who are particularly good at caring for others, often they want someone to care for them, but they always go last. And so mm-hmm. Brene Brown said, you know, you've got, to, you've got to work out how to care for yourself and ask yourself, how would I feel cared for right now? Is it, you know, a trip to the movies? Is it a nice handbag? Is it just some time out? Is it a sleep? You know, whatever. And, and make sure that you factor in self-care into your world as a really, really important part of nurturing that relationship with yourself and, you know, putting yourself in a place of health so that you can be useful to others. So that's really yeah, interesting that you say the same thing. Yeah, I mean, it's funny, you know, the more people you speak to that work for themselves and have their, you know, successful companies, the more we all have in common. Um, I was doing a talk yesterday for um, NatWest Bank, and there was it was for International Women's Day, and there was myself and three other people, and the kind of the running theme was, you know, help other people get what they want, and you will get what you want. And then the other running theme was that we are basically all winging it. <laughs> Um, yeah, but yeah, it's sure. just funny. You realise the more time you spend with other people in 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 the entrepreneurial world, you, you know, you're not alone, and, and there's so many people going through the journey, having the same sort of issues as you, and the same ups and the same downs, and yeah, that just kind of reinforces the message that you should have a good network of people around you. Yeah, absolutely. Because you mentioned you, you have had a few downs, like obviously the the uh, dragon thing was a down, and then did you say that you went bankrupt or? Yeah, so in the whole in the same year of Dragon's Den, um, the company did go into liquidation at the end of the year. I was made bankrupt on the back of that. Um, Yeah, I mean, but but to be fair, you know, the day I found out I was bankrupt was the day that Fifty Cent went public with his bankruptcy. So I thought, well, you know what, I'm not in bad company. Can't be that bad. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing, and and you bounced back. What was there anything particular that you found useful? Um, to recover from that or to keep yourself in the game? Just, I just always remember my mum saying, you know, it's only money. It's only money. It doesn't matter. Yeah, right. um, so, yeah, you just just get on with it. And, and the fear of having to go yeah, and work wow. for someone else is enough to make me keep trying. 
Although, to be fair, I'm probably... Say that again. Say that again. The, the fear, fear of having to go and work for somebody else. I, I'd hate to have to yeah. go and um, get a job working for someone else. So that's enough of a kick up the backside to keep doing my own thing. Yeah, well. That's yeah, amazing. Although, uh, yeah, you I mentioned you're unemployable. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you mentioned you do a lot of reading, a, a book a week. That's a lot of books. Are there any books that have been standouts for you in terms of this whole theme of overcoming insecurity or building a strong sense of self? Um, I really love the book by Oprah, um, What I Know For Sure. Um, that's just a really nice, heartwarming read. Um, and then Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. It's pretty much focused on money, but I really like that. Um, and then yeah. one of my other favorites is The Compound Effect by Darren Hardy, which basically uh-huh, helps yes. you break down you know, massive goals to... To, to achieve, make little steps along the way which will compound into big results in the end and that just helps take the, the fear and the pressure of these massive goals um, and kind of break them down into more sizable, achievable chunks. Okay, fantastic. Do you think you'll write a book one day? Yeah, it's definitely on my um, non-existent vision board. The vision board in my mind is <laughs> on there. I'm just trying to trying to decide what it would be about, but I'm sure the idea will come one night, probably about 3 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, vision board in your mind, like, is that a thing for you? Like, you, you have just clear pictures in your mind and that's all that you need? Yeah, I mean, I write things down, but I certainly don't have, like, um, an actual vision board where I've printed pictures off and things like that. I, I, I just... I see it in my mind. I mean, everything that I have now is something that I saw in my mind before I have it. So the apartment where I live, uh-huh. two years ago, I a vision that I moved in here, and the car that I drive, I had a vision that, you know, you sit and you just, it's almost like you're just daydreaming, and you're thinking about the future, and yeah, then sure. all these things um, come into your life. Well, everything's created twice. Exactly. I'm going to order that <laughs> yeah. book literally now. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a, a wonderful book, such a um, a weighty book of personal development stuff. Yeah, that's really cool because I mean, a lot of people say you have to have a vision board and it's got to be you know cut out and you've got to be able to see it. But all that matters is that you can see it somewhere that yeah. you you know what you want and that you you actually you can picture it in the moment you can picture it. It's like um, you know we we got 20 acres five minutes from town where I live and it's always been a dream we've been married nearly 20 years and that had always been a dream and we we could picture you know land and then we built a little house at stage one and with the plan was always to build the main house but every time we look at each other we're just like I just can't see it I'm just not quite sure how it's going to happen and then um it was only the start of this year when we both looked at each other and went, oh, we can see it. Like, we both had the same experience, my wife and I. We can we can literally see it. And when we look out in that space, space of land, we can see it. And so now it's it's inevitable. Like, it's of, of course, yeah. there's nothing that could stop it becoming a reality because we've already got very, very clear about what we want. And in our mind, it's a reality that already exists. Brilliant. Well, that sounds like a beautiful vision. And I'm excited to hear about when it happens. Oh, thank you. No, it is it is a beautiful vision, and uh, and like with the first house we built here, um, banks wouldn't lend us money. It was all kinds of drama, but um, just this, because we'd seen that, it was like, oh, that doesn't really matter. You know, this bank don't want to lend it's us money. That's fine. Someone anyway, else yeah. will. Yeah, of course. You, no one could really stop it, even if they tried. Uh, so that's fine. Um, you know, it even fell over the day before we were due to settle. The, the bank said, no, we can't. And 
you know, long long story short, there was still a way. There was still a way to, to cut through yeah. all that because it had already been created and it was already a reality for us. Um, it wasn't we hope this can happen or I wish it would happen or I would like it to happen. It was oh this this will because I can see it. So that's cool to hear that that's um, that's something that's been really useful for you too and. Uh, and you haven't need to have a vision board per se in the in the real world. It's just existed in your mind. That's been powerful mm-hmm. enough. Definitely. Very cool. Um, okay, so anything that you would say to people listening uh, that would encourage them in their journey or uh, you know help them if they're at the point of decision in terms of stepping out into something that they're they're dreaming of or that they've been putting off for some time because of the fear of what if it doesn't work or, you know, maybe I'm not good enough. Is there anything that you'd say to those people who are listening? I guess just that we're only on the planet once. You know, we're only here once. You have to do everything you want to do because you're never going to get to do this again. Yep, that's so true. And very simple, powerful, very true. simple. You know, sometimes we waste so much time, like, not doing things because of fear and then the time passes yeah. anyway, and then the next thing you know, you're on your deathbed looking back, and you think, "Crap, should have uh, yeah, yeah. should have done that thing that I wanted to do, but it's too late." Too late. That's right. Have you seen Tim Ferriss talk about um, having a fears list instead of a goals list? No, I haven't. Uh, he, he just talks about you know, often people are terrified of what if I went bankrupt? What if I ended up divorced? What if it didn't work? And so he talks about, well, actually, why don't you just write those things out and, and sit with them and see yourself coming through the other side? You know, because people are terrified often of these things in their mind. What if that would happen? Oh, that would be just the most worst thing in the world. I could never recover from that. But you've just told us you went bankrupt. You know, 50 Cent went bankrupt. Uh, <laughs> you're still kicking on. He's still kicking on. You know, it happens to them all the time. Obviously, it was painful. You wouldn't wish it on anyone, but no. you didn't die. Yeah, exactly. You you still got up the next morning and you're still you with all the same stuff inside you and you just found another way to go on. So it's a a really useful exercise um, to go, what are you... Sorry. Sorry, no. The other thing I was going to say with with regards to fear is um, what it actually stands for is just false evidence appearing real. So it's not even a real thing. Yeah, it's not All even a real mind. thing. It's, it's such a such an irrational thing. I do this exercise that when I do group coaching, I go around the circle and ask her what they're most afraid of, and and it's such a funny experience because when the person's got the floor, they'll say, "You know what? I'm, I'm afraid that I'm not going to cut it cut it as a parent. You know, I love my kids so much, but I'm just afraid I'm, I'm going to let them down some way." And the people next to me are like, "What? That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Like, look at you. You're, you're the best parent I know. Like, that's just." You're afraid of that? That doesn't make any sense. And then, then the next person's turn, this person who's just ridiculed the last person what they're afraid of, they say, ah, oh, do you know what? I've always dreamed of writing a book, but just, you know, I just, what if no one read it? Or what if it was no good? And what if it didn't sell any? And that would be so bad. And, you know, the person next to them who was afraid of not being a parent looks at this person and says, what are you on drugs? Like, you're so articulate. Like, you've got such great ideas. Of course you could write a book. Of all the people I know, like... I'm surprised you haven't already done it. You know, that's crazy. So, you know, it's such a, a, um, a true thing, false evidence appearing real, just stories that get large in our minds that end up stopping us. Um, yeah, there's just no need for it. Absolutely not. Um, Laura, it's been a real honour to have you on the show, and I really appreciate you taking the time. No, thank you. And, uh 
<laughs> I'm sure people will find this really, really useful. Now, if people want to come find you or follow you or keep, keep up to date on the, the cool things that you're doing around the world, where is the best place for them to find you? Where do you hang out? Um, I mean, personally, I mean, no, I'm, I'm usually hanging... Don't give us your house address. <laughs> yeah, my house. Um, this is my home address. <laughs> no, um, I, I, you, I personally like to be hanging out on LinkedIn, or you can find me on Facebook. Um, just search Laura Bartlett. Or if you want to follow me and the team, just look up House of Coco on Instagram or Twitter. We're all over social media, so yeah, just Google it. <laughs> all right, great. I'll make sure that those links are in the show notes and those books that you've mentioned. So thanks again for your time. Uh, everybody you've been listening to the Insecurity Project and stay tuned for more great episodes coming soon. You've been listening to the Insecurity Project. If you're interested in finding out more about dealing with your own insecurity, check out the 30-day online Overcoming Insecurity Bootcamp. It combines high-quality frameworks with one-on-one coaching to help you eradicate the fear of not being good enough and give yourself permission to really flourish in life. For more information, check out jamonfraser.com.